What's up, divers? Welcome into the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast, where I take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common sense approach to lead us to some titles. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor, and before we get started, remember you can follow me on my main platform being Twitter at Deep Dive FF, Instagram at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, YouTube at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, even TikTok at Deep Dive FF. And as always, check out the website, deepdivefantasyfootball.com. With that being said, let's get into the content. What's up, divers? Welcome into another episode of Deep Dive Fantasy Football. It is here. This is the day we get to wrap up the projections. And we're starting with Consistency Kings, baby. We're doing Consistency Kings on today's podcast after I go over the three teams that we've been waiting for and pushing off to the end. And as you guys know, that is the Saints, the 49ers, and the Texans. So we're going to start with the Saints. I've got Jameis Winston looking at the quarterback position outside of the top 24 quarterbacks for fantasy. Now, if you play one of the best ball leagues where you just draft and you never do anything the rest of the season and it auto-generates your best lineup based off the results, sure, maybe somebody you want to grab is a Jameis Winston, maybe a Taysom Hill. But if we're talking about your standard leagues, even Superflex, Jameis Winston is a huge risk, and he's not even really that big of a reward. If you think about what he was in Tampa and why he was so good for fantasy, he was throwing the ball 600, 650 times a season. He was throwing to the likes of Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and O.J. Howard. Now, and Cameron Brait and Deshaun Jackson at the time, and all of these weapons that he always had, now he's in New Orleans with Michael Thomas, their best weapon, having a whole bunch of problems, not just injury, but apparently got some, some weird uh, stuff going on in the organization between him and them, and that's pretty much it. He, you, your main weapon was gone, and now it's just Alvin Kamara, Jameis Winston doesn't like throwing to running backs too much, and... Then you've got Traquan Smith. Is he good? We don't know. Marquez Callaway, is he good? We don't know. Adam Troutman, he's coming into year two. He had a nice season. Jameis does like throwing to the tight end, but those weapons are not nearly anything compared to what he had in Tampa. Plus, the Saints have a really good defense. When Jameis was here, actually, we had a pretty good defense. It was just not great statistically because of his turnover. So we could actually see something similar happen to the Saints defense. But we didn't have a great run game. We didn't have a super established run game. The Saints have Alvin Kamara and a great offensive line for him to run the ball behind. So, And they also have Taysom Hill being gadgety. So Jameis Winston is not going to get the volume, and he's not going to have the explosiveness in New Orleans that he had in Tampa. Therefore, even if you could guarantee me that Jameis Winston was the starter for all season, he would not be a top 12 guy for me, even though he was always a top 12 guy when he was in Tampa in terms of points per game. So, with that said, let's move on. Well, actually, I guess we'll talk about Taysom, too. Taysom, look, if you're going to take him, like, in super, super deep leagues, you got a mad bench, he's not hurting you by staying on your bench and eating up a spot, sure, because if he does win that starting quarterback spot, he's a Konami code quarterback, which means he runs the ball a bunch, and for fantasy football, that is great, gives him a high floor, high rushing ceiling, so that's fine, but I'm really not interested in any of these quarterbacks. Alvin Kamara is the interesting one because... We don't really know who the quarterback is, and that's going to be a huge factor for Kamara because Taysom Hill, he might throw to Kamara a little bit more, which really sounds crazy if you think about it. And 
the offense is going to be very different depending on who the starter is between Taysom and Jameis. If Jameis is the starter, maybe Kamara does better in the red zone because he's more likely to get the touches there. If Taysom Hill is the guy that's the starting quarterback, he's likely to run a bunch in the red zone and take touchdowns away from Kamara. So you've got maybe, maybe better receiving upside for Kamara with Taysom, maybe better touchdown upside for Kamara with Winston. We don't really know what's going on. We have no samples to really work off of because neither of these quarterbacks have played more than just a few games for the Saints. So it's really tough. But Kamara is just so talented. He's one of the most efficient running backs in the league. He always is used heavily in the receiving game. And Michael Thomas is out, so that's definitely going to hold true. Because of that, Kamara could be your RB2. I wouldn't argue it. I'm definitely not taking him over McCaffrey, but he is in my tier two of running backs. I have him around running back six, running back seven. But if you want to move him up above everybody else, go for it. Michael Thomas, I have him... Uh, it's it's rough. It's rough because as of right now, he's looking like he's going to be coming back about mid-season for fantasy. And, you know, you really got to trust yourself to draft Michael Thomas because not only are you guaranteeing that he's not going to be helpful to you for eight, eight weeks, nine weeks, but you're also guaranteeing that you're not going to have a, a bench spot that you might need for eight or nine weeks because if you drop him, somebody's going to pick him up. You better know that. And yes, you might be able to put him in IR, but I know a lot of, for some reason, a lot of leagues now just have COVID IR spots and they don't have regular IR spots. I'm not the type of commissioner that does that, but if you find yourself in that league, he's going to eat up that bench spot. And even without that, who knows if he even comes back? I mean, Michael Thomas went three months without returning a call to the New Orleans Saints organization. He is a professional football player. This team pays him millions and millions and millions of money of dollars I should have said but he he gets paid a bunch of money right this is his job this is his career and he goes three months without responding that's pretty concerning so I don't even know if you can trust okay once he's healthy he'll be a, a stud wide receiver and he'll be in who knows man Sean Payton he already knows this is a lost season he knows they're not doing anything with these quarterbacks he knows they got to find a new one and this is not a, a team that can go deep in the playoffs so he might not really be too concerned about Michael Thomas and what he does this season. So Michael Thomas is super risky in that way. So it's hard for me to really pick a spot to draft him. It just depends on how risky you want to be. But I wouldn't mind taking him around like round seven, eight. Probably like eight, I would be more likely to take him. Because I'm still taking like Tyler Boyd above him, LaVisca Chanel above him, all of those guys. Specifically, I picked those guys because you guys know I'm super high on them compared to consensus. But even guys that like maybe a Jerry Judy, you know, that I'm pretty similar to consensus on as he's like a wide receiver 25 to 30 range. I would take him over Michael Thomas. So it's pretty tough. Traquan Smith and Marquez Callaway are both good sleeper targets. I have a few shares of Traquan Smith. I didn't really get much of Callaway. I haven't really done much drafts since the hype has been coming out on Callaway. But I definitely see, you know, the legitimacy behind the hype. So if you want to take a shot there, Go for it. Traquan and Marquez have a good path to targets, at least to start the season. And Adam Troutman is the main guy I'm targeting. He's the only person that I'm pretty confident in in this offense. He's my tight end eight right now. He is neck and neck with Noah Fant, which we talked about on the last podcast. And it's because, one, he's coming into year two when last year he looked really good 
And Jameis Winston loves targeting tight ends. Now, if Taysom Hill plays, I'm going to be way lower on Troutman. But Jameis, as the starter possibly, that's going to be really good. And that's upside that's just sitting there waiting to be realized. So that's why I like Adam Troutman a lot. Now let's get into the 49ers. Oh, sorry. So let's talk about the quarterback situation, right? That's what everybody has questions about, including myself. And just like everybody else, I don't have the answers. Trey Lance is going to be the one I do draft. And it's because of the upside. Jimmy Garoppolo has been basically useless for one quarterback formats and pretty much like average for super flex formats as a QB2. So sometimes even worse than average. So I have no interest in Jimmy Garoppolo. And when you're Kyle Shanahan and you see all of this ridiculous stuff that Trey Lance can do, especially once he starts getting preseason reps, which guys, we have to be paying attention to the preseason. That's going to help us a lot. And don't worry, I will give you updates. You don't have to watch every game. I will give you updates on things that I see that I think is very important through the preseason to keep us updated on rankings and trends and all that good stuff. So that's also something that'll be like interspersed throughout the rest of the episodes before the season starts. But Trey Lance can do so much that Jimmy Garoppolo can't. This team has so many pieces all over the place and really, they just need that quarterback. And if he looks at Trey Lance and says, man, this guy is even 50% chance ready to go, I think he should play him. Now, I don't think he starts day one, but I wouldn't be surprised if Trey Lance starts after week three, week four. You know, similar to Justin Fields, except Justin Fields probably should start week one, like absolutely no doubt in my mind. And Andy Dalton has nothing on Jimmy Garoppolo. So... You know, that's a different situation completely. But Trey Lance, I think he will be the starter by week five or week four. So that's kind of what I'm expecting from him. And after he does start, he's got huge upside because he's going to run more than pretty much every quarterback in the league except for Lamar Jackson and Jalen Hurts if he can retain his job for a full season. So Trey Lance is going to be basically Kyler Murray in terms of rushing. And he's got a super live arm. He's got better weapons or is in a, at least a better system than Kyler. And it'll be very interesting, but I'm excited for the dude. I'm trying to get shares of him in Dynasty. Unfortunately, I do not have any because I'm in like, what, five or seven, between like five and seven Dynasty leagues as of right now. And I've never been in the spot to take Lance. I've got Trevor in a couple spots. I, actually, I think only one, and I traded for him. Um, I have Trevor Lawrence in one. I've got... I think Justin Fields in one, and that's it. I, I really haven't been picking high anywhere in my dynasty leagues. Like I said, I traded for Trevor Lawrence, so it, it was rough watching this quarterback class kind of slip through my, my fingers this season, but I love the guys, and I'm actually trying to work a trade right now for Trey Lance because I definitely want to share him. Zach Wilson is really the only one I don't really care to have a share for, but Trey Lance, he's going to be a beast. He's quarterback 24 for me right now. But if I knew he was playing all season, he'd probably be quarterback like 12 or 11. So once he gets his opportunity, make sure you scoop him up if he's on the waivers. Trey Sermon, I have him right ahead of Ronald Jones. So Trey Sermon is running back 28 for me. Raheem Mostert is right ahead of Leonard Fournette. He's running back 34 for me. So pretty similar in how the splits are going to go, in my opinion, between the Bucks running backs and the 49ers running backs. But the 49ers... Running backs are going to get more opportunities probably in the red zone, probably going to get a little bit more volume in general. So that's why I like Trey Sermon a little bit more than Ronald Jones. 
And he has upside if Mostert gets hurt to just become like, he might be the first running back to get more than half the carries in the running back room for the 49ers in the past three, four years. And I could definitely see it. He has the body type to handle that type of workload. So I like Trey Sermon, but he doesn't have insane upside because he's never going to really get much receiving. They have too many talented running backs there that are way better than Sermon at catching the ball. And Raheem Mostert, if you want to take a shot on him, if you're going zero RB, I, I guess, but I'm not really interested. I think Trey Sermon is the real late, one of the few late running backs that I like for people that are looking for a running back in those mid-round ranges. Trey Sermon's probably one of the few, very few good ones. So keep your eye on him. Brandon Ayuk, he is a upper tier wide receiver three for me. He's right behind LaVisca Chenault. He is my wide receiver 26. LaVisca is my wide receiver 25. So Brandon Ayuk, I think, see, it's tough. I think, honestly, that one of two things needs to happen. Either Jimmy Garoppolo needs to keep his job and there will be a little bit more pass volume to go around so I can be good, or Ayuk needs to step so far ahead of the pack that he's getting a 25% target share from Trey Lance if Trey Lance is the starter. Because once Trey Lance takes over, you can fully expect the 49ers to go more run heavy because of Lance's ability to run. Think about it this way. The Ravens, when they had Joe Flacco pass the ball, way more with Joe Flacco in Lamar's rookie year than when Lamar finally took over. Lamar in his rookie year took over, I think it was like week 11. He had six games played in his rookie season as the starting quarterback, and the Ravens dropped their pass attempts immensely. That's exactly what would happen here in San Francisco, and they're already a team that doesn't pass that much. And Brandon Ayuk, I love him. I love the talent, but he has not really had much games with Kittle and Debo both on the field together healthy and I know that's an argument that a lot of people try to go against but it's true and unless I take that step which he's fully capable of doing he's a super talented guy and he was somebody that way outperformed what I expected from his rookie season I actually thought it was a a reach when they drafted him in the first round I had him more as like a back end of the second round grade or third round graded receiver so they made the most of his athleticism and opportunities and he's a lot more developed and a more refined route runner than I would have ever thought so quickly. But he's basically dependent on either volume or a huge target share, which is kind of the same thing. So that's why he's a wide receiver three for me. Debo Samuel's a wide receiver five for me. He's right behind or between Russell Gage and Deami Brown. If you want to take him, I wouldn't blame you. I don't think he's a high risk or high reward player. He's kind of just that like middling probably 10 points a game type of wide receiver. George Kittle is my tight end three. He averaged 15 points per game last year. I think he's probably going to be around the same, maybe even a little bit worse. And the only thing that would really change things is touchdowns. If Lance just develops this offense into just this behemoth, this monster that scores all the time, then George Kittle is going to have some really good touchdown upside. But at 15 points per game last year, and Ayuk probably being a lot more involved this year than he was last year, and Debo being healthy, it's going to be hard for me to see Kittle getting any better than last year. And I have Darren Waller projected at 17 points per game, so that's why Kittle's my tight end three behind Waller and obviously Travis Kelsey. Now let's talk about the Texans. So the only person probably going to be found on my rosters from this team is Brandon Cooks. He is my wide receiver 28. Let me tell you his finishes in the last six years. Brandon Cooks finished 16th, 62nd. This is from newest to oldest. So last year he was 16. The year before, 62nd. That's his only bad year. 
the four years before that, 13th, 15th, 9th, and 13th. So out of the last six years, Brandon Cooks has finished top 16 five times. That is ridiculous. And now there's a caveat, right? He's always been in a good offense, and now that might not be the case. But still, you got to think about other parts of the context, right? It might not be a good offense, but all of a sudden, he's got the least amount of target competition he's ever had in his entire career. And he's been really good on a yards per target basis all career. So while, yes, he might end up, if Watson's not playing and they don't make a trade or whatever, and he's catching passes from Tyrod Taylor or Davis Mills, yeah, his efficiency is going to go down, but his targets are going to go way up. And I don't see how Brandon Cooks, if he stays healthy all season, no matter who the quarterback is, I don't see how he's not at least on the edge of being a wide receiver too. And right now he's being drafted farther than that. So he's somebody that I like and I've been grabbing everywhere because he does have upside, especially if Watson ends up playing or if Davis Mills or somebody just ends up being like, okay, Brandon Cooks could easily, easily be a top 20 wide receiver again or a top 16 wide receiver again. Now, the wide receiver talent has gotten a lot better real quick with all the young guys coming in. So 16 is probably a push, but I could see top 20. I'm not touching the running backs, but if you're once again doing what we advise against, right? You're doing zero RB and you want to take a shot, look at Philip Lindsay or David Johnson. David Johnson, as we're going to see in a second, was actually super consistent last year at getting you double digit points when he was healthy. Now that's the problem. If you trust if he's going to be healthy or not. Philip Lindsay, he's the only slightly young running back in that room and he is just as talented as the others in my opinion. So that's why I think Philip Lindsay is a good late shot as well. So you've got Philip Lindsay, David Johnson. David Johnson is the guy you want for a consistent floor. Deshaun Watson, in terms of drafting him, it's based off how risky you want to be and where you can get him and your bench size. So a lot to consider for Deshaun Watson. But me personally, if I'm in a league with a deep bench, which most of the leagues I'm in, I am the commissioner of, and if I'm commissioning a league, you better know that bench is deep. So I have Deshaun Watson, you know, in a couple places. I really do. And it's worth the risk. I mean, you're getting him in double-digit rounds, so why not? He's a top-five quarterback if he plays. Now, he's probably only going to play if he gets traded, so you kind of are hoping for the trade if you're Deshaun Watson owner, but even if even if not, then whatever. You lost out on a double-digit round pick. Most people that you draft there are going to be off your team after week one or week two anyways when you make waiver transactions, so it's worth the risk. See what happens. Why not? Then we've got some you know super late targets here nico collins he's a fine late round target he's a wide receiver rookie that they just drafted stash brevin jordan the tight end in dynasty i really think the only way he could have fallen in the real nfl draft because he fell like past round four or five in the real nfl draft i thought he was going to get taken in the second round or third round at the latest it had to be character related but because it's definitely not it's definitely not related to his skill or his talent, or his athleticism, or his potential, or anything like that. Brevin Jordan reminded me a lot of Jonu Smith, if you watch him in college. Like, I really thought I was watching Jonu Smith college highlights. Like, I was like, or college tape. I was like, what? what is going on here? This is this is literally Jonu Smith. So, Brevin Jordan's definitely a good stash. And I think the starting quarterback, if it's not Watson or Jalen Hurts, if they make a trade with the Eagles, I would probably peg Tyrod Taylor, because he's the vet. And he does have rushing ability. 
he would be an okay streamer in Superflex because I actually had a podcast last year, and this is when I had a little bit more time on my hands, right? I did about two hours of digging and two hours of research on just Tyrod Taylor, and I actually came and found that Tyrod Taylor, and it's still up if you want to go listen to it, but Tyrod Taylor was, if you extended all of the times that he's started, if you extended them to a full season, he's been a top 12 quarterback every time, except for once, because of his rushing ability. Now, like I said with the wide receivers, we've had a nice influx of young quarterbacks, so I don't think it would be to that degree, and he's got so little to work with in Houston, so that would also make it worse, but he would run enough to make him, even if he's not throwing to many weapons and is not a great thrower by himself, it would still make him good enough to be a, a decent QB2. So that's who I would be hoping to start if Watson or Hertz or somebody else in a trade that they might land is not the starter. With that said, that's the, the projections on all three of those teams. So, or, you know, the thought process and ranking, I guess I didn't project them, but now we can get into consistency kings, and I gotta say, I'm excited that we're moving on, and I'm happy to be able to give you guys the consistency, but we're not gonna have much to talk about with the wide receivers, and it's because I did do the consistency on the wide receivers, not that I didn't, but literally, you could go look at it in the, the free draft sheets. Remember, the link is on Twitter, on Instagram, you can ask me for it if you can't find it for some reason, whatever the case may be on the website, the link is there too, but... Go, go look at it. The top tier wide receivers in rankings this year and in finishes last year and stuff were all the most consistent wide receiver. And you might think that that's weird or that that's not weird, but it is. Usually consistency does not necessarily follow who the best was. And that's the whole point of doing it because you're trying to find guys that, okay, even if I know this guy's not the best, he's going to be consistent for me. Or even if this guy's not the best, he's going to give me, you know, the opposite of consistency. He's going to give me explosive weeks that are going to help me win matchups. And I could just get my consistency elsewhere, either at a different position or at different players in the same position. So that's why it was kind of weird that all the really good receivers, top tier receivers were the most consistent last year, other than Tyler Lockett. But obviously, all of us already know that about Tyler Lockett. So outside of him, Actually, the top dogs were really consistent, so that's why we don't really have much to say about the wide receivers, but we've got plenty on the quarterbacks, the running backs, not much to say on the tight ends either. We know who the good tight ends are, and we know everybody else is not consistent because they need a touchdown, right? So let's talk about the running backs. The top 12 most consistent running backs to score 10 points or more on a week, okay? So this is based off the percentage of the time that a running back scored at least 10 points, Christian McCaffrey, 100% of the time. But Brandon, he only played two and a half games. Yes, I know. So why did I count it? Because if you look at last year, he was extremely consistent. And he was 30 points per game last year. He was 30 points per game this year. He's just, the dude is just a beast. He's unstoppable. So I figured, you know what? Why not give him his due even though he got hurt? And I'll kind of just blend them together. So his consistency is actually 100%. And... Then we've got a nice little tier two of guys that 93% of the time got you double digits. That's Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook, Aaron Jones, and James Robinson. James Robinson, despite being on a team that was the bottom five total scoring, bottom five rushing yards, bottom five, I think, rushing touchdowns, like bottom five in all the metrics that would help running backs be good for fantasy. 
And despite that, James Robinson was a beast. So it kind of makes me rethink. And this is, you know, something that's beneficial of doing this. It kind of makes me think, man, maybe James Robinson is, is worth taking a shot at in your redraft leagues. Maybe he really does, and I haven't projected this way, maybe he really does get more carries than Travis Etienne and he holds that job the whole year and Travis Etienne is really just like another receiver that gets carries here and there. So it's pretty interesting, pretty interesting. But James Robinson had a great season. Whether or not he, you know, does something great this year, I think we should also just be like in awe of what he did as a undrafted free agent last year. Then we've got tier three. All of these guys gave you 10 points or more 91% of the time. That's still amazing. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, everyone wanted to complain about him because he didn't hit the crazy marks that everyone had him pegged for, but he was one of the most consistent running backs. He never hurt you. If you started Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, you were never like, oh crap, I just lost my week because of this. No, he pretty much every time got you double digits. So that's one. Nick Chubb was also there in the 91%. Chris Carson and, like I told you guys, David Johnson. David Johnson pretty much never was scoring more than 20 points. That happened like three times in a row at the end of the season, which was super weird because, you know, nobody trusted him at that point. And so a lot of people didn't play him if they were still alive in the playoffs. And it really would have helped them if they did. So it actually, his 20-point games really didn't help anybody. But David Johnson was always safe for 10 points. And it was because of the workload. Now, maybe that's a different scenario because they have Mark Ingram in the room, Philip Lindsay in the room, and what's the other one? Rex Burkhead in the room. So who knows what that's going to look like and who knows if David Johnson can even stay healthy. But that's the third tier of guys. And then, so how many people is that so far? That's nine. So 10th most consistent running back last year was Miles Gaskin. 90% of the time he delivered you double digits. Austin Eckler was 11th. 89% of the time he delivered double digits. And David Montgomery, 80% of the time, was the 12th most consistent running back. And that's not all we got to talk about. We got to talk about the most explosive running backs. Who are the running backs that gave you more than 20 points the most often? Once again, Christian McCaffrey, 100%. 100% of the time, he had you, he gave you 20 points. And last year, I, there was only one game last year, and it was versus my very own Tampa Bay Buccaneers, that he did not get actually 10 points. He had 7 points. So I guess his consistency would be like 99%, but the 100% for the 10 points or more was based off the season. But anyways, Christian McCaffrey scores ridiculous. It's it's not even close. Tier 1 by himself, right? Because McCaffrey, 100% mark over 20 points. Kamara is the second best running back, and he only gives you 20 points or more 60% of the time. Dalvin Cook third at 57% of the time, David Montgomery at 47% of the time, and Derrick Henry, the fifth most explosive running back in fantasy football, giving you 20 points or more 44% of the time. 20-point weeks are winners. That's that's not guaranteeing because, you know, there are multiple running backs every week that get 20 points. It's not guaranteeing a win, but that's a hefty number, super hefty number, and I didn't want to put like 25 points or more like I did for quarterbacks because then your percentages are going to be so low for running backs. It's kind of just pointless. So that's why I keep it at 20 for all the positions except for quarterback. So those are your most explosive running backs. Now we'll talk about the quarterbacks themselves. I'm working off a 15-point baseline. So the most consistent quarterbacks are the quarterbacks that got 15 points or more for you 
on a, any given week. All right, Dak Prescott and Jalen Hurts were the most consistent quarterbacks, both off small sample sizes, but I do think they're both applicable because Dak is going to be very consistent because he's going to throw the ball a ridiculous amount every week because their defense is basically not even on the field. And Jalen Hurts, and I don't say that because injury, I say because their defense sucks. Jalen Hurts is going to also be similar because as long as he's starting, his rushing is going to get him to 15 points pretty much every week. So no, no matter what the matchup looks like. So that's why, especially, I keep going back and forth here, especially because he's got an upgraded room of weapons with Kenneth Gainwell and Jalen Rager being healthy and coming into year two and Devonta Smith. So he's got a nice semblance of weapons that's going to help him be more consistent as well. And he was already super consistent, obviously. Him and Dak were the most consistent last year. Now, tier two are the three guys that gave you 15 points or more 94% of the time. That's Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, and Deshaun Watson. And then 93% of the time, you got that same mark from Patrick Mahomes and Kyler Murray. So not really any surprises other than Jalen Hurts, probably. Maybe you're surprised by Deshaun Watson. I think a lot of people didn't realize how good of a season he had last year. But he was insane. And if they had a team that was good at all and they made the playoffs, he could have actually won MVP. But now let's talk about the most explosive quarterbacks. This this is the stat for the quarterbacks that get more than 25 points on any given week. What's the percentage? Dak got you 25 points or more 75% of the time. Josh Allen and Aaron Rodgers were tier two at 56% of the time. Then Kyler Murray at 53% of the time. Lamar Jackson at 47% of the time. Patrick Mahomes at 40 and then Ryan Tannehill and Russell Wilson at 38% of the time. So when you're looking at most explosive quarterbacks, it's generally the quarterbacks at the top, right? It's hard to have a boom-bust quarterback. Why? Because if you look at boom-bust and you're looking at receivers, well, it's dependent on, hey, how many targets am I getting? When it's running back, hey, you know, what's the rush defense look like and, and how many touches am I going to get? Am I going to get opportunities in the red zone? But when it comes to quarterbacks, the ball's in their hand, 95% of the time, whether they're handing it off or passing it. So it's very hard for them to be boom bust, right? So that's why your most explosive quarterbacks and your most consistent quarterbacks are generally the quarterbacks at the top. But I wanted to talk about it because Jalen Hurts is up there. And I wanted to point out that can, that Konami code, Konami code quarterback with the rushing ability is super important. And that's why I'm really high on guys like Trey Lance, and even, to a lesser extent, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields for fantasy because they're going to run the ball along with throw it very accurately. So that's why I like those guys. So thank you guys for tuning in. That's a little glimpse into consistency. Last year, I had a whole podcast on consistency. But honestly, if, if you find it interesting, it's all available to you. And I'm trying to get a whole bunch of content out as quick as possible at this point because the season is fast approaching and I actually have my schedule so I'll go over it with you guys real quick so you can know what to expect so after this podcast the next podcast I'm going to do is my dynasty rankings I'm going to go on a soapbox I'm going to talk about dynasty rankings how I think they should be made how I like to make them that's just going to be like a minute or two obviously and just to preface the rest of the podcast and then I will give you guys my dynasty rankings real quick and then the next podcast, I'm going to go over who I think is going to lead the categories 
for all the NFL metrics this year, passing touchdowns, passing yards, wide, uh, wide receiver receiving touchdowns, you know, rushing touchdowns, receptions, receiving yards, all that stuff. We're going to talk about my predictions for NFL stat leaders. I might have my boy on with me and he'll, you know, make that a back and forth podcast, hopefully, if he can make it. And then I'm also going to throw out my hot takes on that episode. So I had like a 50% hit rate last year on my hot takes, which is pretty high because my hot takes are pretty hot. So I would I would say, you know, when you hear my hot takes, you're going to think they're ridiculous, but definitely at least keep your ears open. At least keep your ears open to them. And then after that, we're going to go over redraft rankings for quarterbacks and tight ends, then running backs and wide receivers. Then we're going to do sleepers and busts. Then I'm going to give you guys a mock draft. Then we're going to go favorite players by round. That's going to be a super fun episode. I love that episode. I actually have a article up from last year that was basically the article version of my podcast last year when I did favorite players to draft in every round. And that article was super accurate. Like the players that I had pegged in each round was... It was nice. It was nice. Go check it out. And then um, and I actually did that with two guys that were writing at the time for me. Uh, they're, you know, doing doing well. I know one of them went off and started doing something else, um, some other fantasy stuff. So that was cool to see him get an opportunity there. And my other guy, I don't know if I should say his name. I don't know if they want me to say their name. Zach, I said it. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if he's uh, planning on continuing in the crew, but, but I definitely keep in contact with him on Twitter. Anyways, um, that, those were the two guys that were in the article with me because we gave you three names for every round. Mine was, I think, the first one in bold, and then theirs was like right under or something. And then after that, we're going to go Dynasty Buys and Sells. We're going to have a whole episode wrapping up what we learned in the preseason, but as little things happen, I'm going to take them in little chunks and put them into all the podcasts. And lastly, on Saturday, September 4th, the last Saturday... And it's going to come out in the morning, right? So a lot of people will do drafts that Saturday and the Sunday after because that's the last weekend before the season starts when the Bucks play the Cowboys on the 9th on Thursday. Hopefully, you're rooting for my Bucks. And um, yeah, so that day, right before the huge draft weekend, I'm going to have another mock draft come out. So we've got two mock drafts. We've got a whole bunch of rankings, all that stuff. So hopefully, you guys enjoy it. Thank you for tuning in. Reach out to a friend. If you got your casual fantasy players, point them to the podcast, right? This is the time of the year where I really like gain listeners. During the offseason, usually I have like my super devoted guys that like are super successful in fantasy because they pay attention a lot. And then during the season, my listener count like triples because of all the casual guys listening for like weekly pickups and all that stuff. So if you don't mind, reach out to a friend, right? Show them, hey. My boy, Brandon, you know, he's got a podcast, up and coming, yada, yada, whatever. And drop rating, drop review. Thank you guys for listening. I appreciate you giving me your time. Have a good one. Peace.